following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. Sixteen episode number 30. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. I am live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got Nick Eatman in here with me. We got Amber and Dave both at the Star in different locations. And we got our special guest as we do every Wednesday and Thursday, Bucky Brooks from NFL Network. Bucky, what's going on, man? Man, it's all good. How you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well. We're ready to jump in and talk about the Seattle defense today. Uh, we talked about the offense yesterday. In, by the way, if you guys missed that, you can always go back and check it out on our website, our mobile app, uh, Connected TV app, and, uh, and hear what Bucky had to say about the offense. But today we focus in on Seattle defense, and I'll start where we normally start. Talk to me about their greatest assets, their greatest strengths, and their greatest weaknesses talking about the Seattle defense. The greatest assets are the two players that they have in the middle of their defense, Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams. Those guys are kind of the centerpieces of the defense. Everything runs through them, and they've done a great job of utilizing them in a variety of ways, particularly Jamal Adams. They have really unleashed him. Pete Carroll and Ken Norton have basically gone back to their USC playbook, and they have made Jamal Adams their version of Troy Palomalu, and that shows up on tape. Their biggest weakness is their secondary. As bad as we think things are in Dallas, they're worse for the Seattle Seahawks. Mm. When you look at their coverage, they've given up 731 yards to wide receivers. That is the most through two games in the Super Bowl era. Six receivers have had 70-plus receiving yards. It is a problem. And so this is a matchup where the Cowboys have an opportunity to really make it a fast-break basketball game because the problems that the Seattle Seahawks can present to the Cowboys, they can flip it around and do the same thing to the Seahawks. Can you talk a little bit about the run defense? Yeah, so the Seattle Seahawks have been solid against the run, and they're so solid against the run because Bobby Wagner does a great job of filling the middle, but more importantly, he communicates what is coming to his defensive mates, and they jump the snap. They're only giving up 2.9 yards per carry to running backs. They're doing a great job of playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage. All you have to do is look at the last play against New England Patriots and Cam Newton to know. So their defense is stout, but people are taking the path of least resistant. They're going at them. They are trying to attack them in the passing game, and that might be the best course of action for the Dallas Cowboys. So two first-round picks and I think a third-round pick was what it took to get Jamal Adams. You're saying, is he playing like that, even though you also say the secondary looks terrible right now? I mean, how is that kind of working as far as is he living up to expectations, but also he just needs also help around him? No, no, no. Like, Jamal Adams is well worth his weight in gold. Like, he is a gold jacket player. When you look at his numbers, his numbers are favorable to Troy Palomalo through the same time. And what he has done in Seattle is take it to another level. He leads the team in tackles, sacks, 
quarterback hits, tackles for losses. They're putting him in the box, and they are blitzing him off the edge. He is everything that they needed. He is Cam Chancellor plus in their defense. So, yes, for them, they needed another disruptive playmaker. He has given them that. And even though he is listed as a safety, they're really playing him as a hybrid linebacker. He is anything and everything they need him to be. He's the energy bus for that defense. So I'm curious, Bucky, that was an amazing stat, by the way. Most yards by receivers in the Super Bowl era through two games. Uh, I hadn't heard that. But I am curious not to let these guys off the hook, but how how much of this is uh, a product of circumstances? Because they go up 31-12 on Atlanta pretty early in that game, and obviously you have to pass your way back into that. And they even had a, you know, they had a two-possession lead on New England heading into the fourth quarter the other night. So, you know, I wonder how much of that is uh, the opposition needing to throw the ball a lot to get back into games because Seattle's offense is so good. Oh, uh, no, some of that is true. Like, certainly when teams are chasing points, you can kind of get a bunch of garbage yards. But I also think part of it is a byproduct. I sat there and saw the scheme a year ago. Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard, you saw some of the single high safety looks. Not a lot of disguise. They're going to line up and play cover three or cover one, and they're going to say that our athletes are better than your athletes. Come and get us. And what has happened, there have been times where you can get the Seattle Seahawks in jams through formation alignment, sometimes through personnel matchups. You can create these favorable opportunities. And when you look at the matchups that the Cowboys have, particularly in the passing game, I mean, we can talk about Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup, but then Dalton Schultz emerging and being just a solid check down option. They're going to stress the defense and they're going to make those guys hold up. And because they don't do a lot of what we call split safety looks, not a lot of too deep coverage, there are going to be some opportunities. The thing is, you got to cash in when you get those big play opportunities. Bucky, when you mentioned the uh, the linebacker, Bobby Wagner, uh, and then obviously they got K.J. Wright, who's another guy that's been there for a long time with him, a very, very, very solid linebacker. And then obviously what they're doing with Jamal Adams, now they're adding in their first-round pick, Jordan Brooks, who it sounds like he's going to be a starter this week now with Bruce Irving going out uh, due to injury. Uh, give me a scouting report on Brooks coming in the league, first-round pick. Give me a scouting report on kind of where he fits in with this linebacking core and, and what he brings to the table. Well, look, he's an energetic player. Uh, Anyone that watched him at Texas Tech, he's a sideline-to-sideline player, does a great job of being productive. When you talk to people in Seattle about what they like in players, Pete Carroll prefers guys that just are super athletes and they have instincts. All the other stuff, the measurables don't matter. When you look at Jordan Brooks, he is a a classic example. He is a guy that is a terrific high-energy player. He was very productive during his time at Texas Tech. Not necessarily the biggest linebacker, but he's slippery and he gets around the ball. The thing is, he doesn't have to really do anything extraordinary. Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams, they gobble up everything that happens within the 10-yard box. He just needs to be a guy that kind of fits his gap and plays his role. Um, I don't have high expectations for him to be an immediate impact player, but he certainly can be a solid performer for them very, very early in his career. I want to ask you, uh, we saw Dak Prescott throw a lot down the field during training camp, and we've seen it during games and some really successful plays, uh, long passes. After what you mentioned about their secondary, would you be expecting Dak to take more risk and throw down the field a lot more? 
you know, look, I think if they have opportunities where they can push it down the field, I think they have to. I think the big thing that sets up the big plays, you have to remember Ezekiel Elliott has averaged 112 yards per game against the Cowboys in the two matchups. The best way for the Cowboys to play this game is to control it with their offense. That's how they have to play. And so Ezekiel Elliott can create big play opportunities if he is able to run successfully. We talked about the stinginess of the Seattle Seahawks run defense. Early in the game, somewhere in there, there's going to be a test of wheels. Can the Cowboys run the ball? The Seahawks know they have to run it. And are they forced to drop Jamal Adams and play an eight-man front and one-on-one on the outside? If the Cowboys can run the ball at some point, I think there will be some big play opportunities on the outside because, I look, I like Griffin and Dunbar on the outside, but they can be had. I think it's about setting them up and being able to push the ball down the field off play action. Buck, do you uh, feel good about or should Cowboy fans feel good about what they saw out of Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight and then also with the matchup against Seattle? Is this is this one where, you know, the, the Cowboy if, – if Tyron Smith doesn't play – that the Cowboys should feel okay about it because of who they're playing and and the experience of the other two guys? They should feel better because there's not a dominant force on the Seahawks' defensive line. The problem is you have to count Jamal Adams as an extra pass rusher. They bring him 10 to 14 times a game. He is rushing relentlessly off the edge. And so part of the reason why they want to blitz is not necessarily to try and get Jamal Adams home freely, but they want to create opportunities for their guys to get one-on-one matchups. That's what the fifth rusher does. And so, yeah, I feel good about Knight and Steele being able to hold up, but can they hold up with the stunts and games that are deployed at the line of scrimmage? One of the ways the Cowboys negated it last week when they were having problems with the Falcons, they went up-tempo. And by going up-tempo, what it did, it wore down the pass rush because now you can't sub. You also have to simplify because you're worried about communication flaws. In a weird way, the Cowboys would benefit from playing what I say faster but under control. They can play fast and keep them at the line of scrimmage but not necessarily operate at a frenetic pace. By keeping them fast and not allowing the Seahawks to sub, they can wear them down and eventually kind of have their way with this defense in the second half when the game kind of becomes a conditioning matchup. Which, Bucky, this is this is a better question for John Schneider, I think, so I hate to put you in a tough spot. But that I'm looking at this Seahawks pass rush, and I, I just don't understand the thought process here that, you know, they didn't really make an attempt to get Jadeveon Clowney back. Obviously, Everson Griffin was linked there for a long time, too. From my own experience, you know, when the Cowboys don't sign a guy, they say it's because they like what they have. But it doesn't seem like the Seahawks have anything. I mean, LJ Collier's there. Are they, are they sky high about what he's done in the first two weeks? Like, who are these pass rushers, and why didn't they try harder to get more? Well, one, I think the Jadavian Clowney thing is he's more myth than player. Um, he's a guy that's probably a better run defender than a pass rusher, as evidenced by the fact that he's never had a double-digit sack season, and he only had three sacks with him a year ago. So I don't think they were necessarily fired up about bringing him back. Everson Griffin would have been a guy that I thought they would have considered based on the way that he played, the way that he's been consistent. But, look, sometimes when you are an evaluator and a decision you fall in love with the guys that you've drafted. They took L.J. Collier, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't see a first-round player in L.J. Collier as a pass rusher, but they have to go with them. they got to try them out there. Part of the reason that they're able to mask it is really because of the way they're utilizing Jamal Adams. And so when you talk about why didn't they upgrade the rush, I think part of their upgrade, the pass rush, comes from Jamal Adams coming over. So when they give up two ones and a three to get him, 
part of that was with him thinking, hey, Jamal Adams is going to enhance our pass rush. We're going to treat him as the fifth rusher. That's why we're okay with the guys that we have up front. Bucky, real quick before we end this segment with you, I uh, did want to ask you a question about just the bigger picture of how the Cowboys strategically in this game. I did hear you, hear you talking a little earlier about you know ball control. And if you look at this team, obviously the matchup says, hey, Cowboys should be throwing all day. This is a run defense that's pretty good. you got a pass defense that's not very good. Cowboys actually have a ton of weapons in the passing game, so throw the ball. The problem with that is you want to keep the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands. In a scenario like this, which way do you think the Cowboys ultimately go? Do they go the route of, of going the path of least resistance, or do you think they stick to trying to pound the run and trying to control the ball uh, to keep Russell Wilson off the field? I think what you do in, in these things, I think they play fast early and then slow it down late, meaning I think it's very important, and we've seen the past two weeks, the Cowboys need to play with the lead, the way that they're constructed with their defense. And so they have to figure out a way to grab the lead early so then they can dictate the terms and control the game. And so maybe in the first quarter you see Dak throw more to see if they can get some quick points on the board and then get back to running. The teams that have had success beating the Seahawks throughout the years have been able to line up and play big football, meaning big sets, run the ball, kind of persistently do it. I think the magic number for the Cowboys is 32. If they can get time of possession between 32 and 35 minutes, I think they're controlling the game, and that is the way they want to play it. All right, give us a quick uh, score and prediction on this game. What do you think is going to happen? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think, <laughs> I think this is a I think this is, I think this is a track. It's like watching in the Rockets play. I think this is going to be a game in the high 30s because I don't believe either defense would really be able to stop it. I think it's a game where the Cowboys can win it. The key factor is Ezekiel Elliott. If Ezekiel Elliott has over 100 yards, I think the Cowboys win and they win by three or more. All right. We appreciate your time. Bucky, we'll have you back oh, next week on thanks, Wednesday to talk a little bit more about the next opponent, which will be the Cleveland Browns. Till then, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to dissect some of that stuff that Bucky talked about. We're also going to get into some injury updates on some players that uh, the Cowboys really can't afford to lose that are right now on the injury report. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. It's funny. As we travel places, often we find the places we want to travel aren't really places at all. They're people. 
their grandparents, moms, old friends, and new nephews. That's why at American Airlines, we've been using enhanced cleaning measures so you can feel confident every step until you get to them. So as always, our people can't wait to take you to yours. American Airlines, you are why we fly. Back to the break. Get your tickets now to the Cowboys take on the Cleveland Browns when they return to AT&T Stadium on Sunday, October the 4th. A limited number of tickets are on sale. Get yours at DallasCowboys.com slash tickets. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We have Bucky Brooks joining us in the first segment to talk about the Seattle defense versus the Cowboys offense. A lot of interesting nuggets there. Mm. Uh, before we talk more about that matchup, let's talk about some of the injuries that the Cowboys are experiencing. Um, yesterday, and I guess the biggest one that popped up was Trayvon Diggs, who did not practice yesterday with a shoulder injury, coming out of the game against the Atlanta Falcons. Um, let's start first by just kind of talking about what, what we've heard from Coach McCarthy with regards to his injury and his status. Nick, why don't you start there? I didn't listen to Coach McCarthy this morning, so I don't know. But I talked to Stephen Jones yesterday. Okay, well, tell me what Stephen said. He didn't said. say one thing about an injury to, to Trayvon Diggs. He talked about how great he's been. He's a pro's pro already in the second game. Thinks he has a chance to be really great, and he's looking forward to that matchup against DK Metcalf. That doesn't suggest anything to me that he doesn't expect him to play, but I bet McCarthy also gave nothing when he talked to, to the media but I don't know Dave what year he he gave he gave a little something you know Mike Mike is um, he, he's, he's guarded with his injury stuff but uh, he did say you know he said he didn't practice yesterday hurt his shoulder in the game direct quote is we may try to work him into individual and go from there so I mean that that sounds optimistic to me and I I expect that he'll you know ease into the lineup at least by Saturday if not today so I'm not super worried about him for Sunday but Steven did also add that Brandon Carr will be playing cornerback so which is I mean somebody's got to play cornerback yeah. and I don't think it's going to be Reggie Robinson <laughs> so I would think so you're looking at Jordan Lewis Trayvon Diggs Brandon Carr Daryl Worley it could be worse yeah, those are probably. I was four. I was laughing. Well, not laughing, but I'm like, oh my god. When I saw the news yesterday that that came out, I, it just took me back to the conversation we were having yesterday, mm-hmm. where we all sounded pretty concerned already with thinking that we had Diggs available and healthy and good to go, and then that happens, and then I'm like, oh, what are what are they gonna do now? Uh, which prompts the question: What what do you think they do now? I know. That Nick just mentioned Brandon Carr playing a corner, but how comfortable are you guys feeling with what the Cowboys currently have in case that Diggs is a no-go? Uh, Diggs, yeah. Is a well, no-go. I mean, if Diggs got to play, <laughs> if Diggs is, is a no-go, then uh, yeah, no. Diggs, I mean, Diggs, Diggs needs to play. <laughs> yeah, you got to figure this that's one out. Pretty like, much it. If they need to, you know, I don't, I don't want this to sound too crass, but they got to shoot it up. Then you got to shoot it up. I mean, I just. I, you can't you can't afford for him not to play in this game, right? Don't get the Chargers, doctor. I know, right? Wow. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah. well, even if he plays, at what level? Well, well uh, good. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, yeah. Newsflash: <laughs> the secondary is a concern. I mean, that's been the case since time immemorial. It feels like, um, and and obviously you add Anthony Brown to injured reserve. Um, and and Cheeto's not going to play this week, I don't think. So, 
you should be concerned, but um, it's the situation that they're in. Uh, I don't feel great about it, but I wouldn't feel great about it if everybody was healthy. This is a dynamic passing offense. And, and so here's the real kind of sorry, Dave. Here, here's a real problem that you have: oh. is it's Thursday. Uh, are we 72 hours from kickoff? So there's not a Sterling Moore mm. out there, or a Tyler Patman, or Queston Huff. Tyler's here in Dallas. I mean, somebody like that that's played that you could just. I mean. You can't do that anymore. You yeah. have to go with what you have. That's why you have this bulky practice squad. And and I'm I'm not even sure is is Savion Smith on the practice squad? I think he is. He is. Okay. He is. I mean that could be an option. You have to throw him in there or Westry, uh, mm. or Reggie Robinson. I mm. guess. You know, <laughs> here's the thing about Reggie Robinson. He he was he was drafted because he could play special teams and develop into a corner. He's probably not ready to play corner, but he's probably going to be playing in this game, and you don't have to learn a whole lot to go rush the punt and try to block a punt or block right. a field goal or something like that because that's exactly what Cheeto – I think that might have been what got hurt – what Cheeto got hurt on was trying to block one of those field goals off the edge. So, you know, Robinson might play this week, but I don't think you want him playing, you know, playing I, on defense. I think what it suggests to me is whether – you know, no matter what happens, whether Diggs plays or doesn't, the fact that you're down Cheeto, you're down Anthony Brown, and Trayvon won't be 100% even if he's playing, that suggests to me that we could probably expect to see a lot more zone than man, I would expect. I wouldn't think you, with the corners you're going to be running out there, you want to be playing man against some of those wide receivers. And by the way, when you run man, then you're also making yourself more susceptible to Russell Wilson and yeah. him getting out and running. So I suspect... I suspect that the Cowboys will be running a lot more zone, trying to just keep things from getting behind them and, and trying to manage. And, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I forget the term, Dave. You might remember what, what Brian used to call it is like a you know, rally and tackle kind of defense where you kind of just stay back. And as soon as the ball gets completed, then you run up and you try to make the tackle. I almost think you have to almost the Rod employ, Marinelli special. Yeah, you got to kind of employ that kind of defense. You can't be – I don't think you can run a lot of man with these corners up against those wide receivers. Yeah. I just don't. You know, I'm not trying to be funny here, but but when did Anthony Brown get hurt last week? Right in Wednesday's practice or Thursday's practice? I mean, hurt his ribs Thursday, for three for three weeks. Don't know what they're doing in practice, but I'm just saying it. Maybe it's a more of a like let's let's take Diggs back a little bit. He's banged up a little bit. He's going to be fine. But let's don't rush him out there in this. You know, you, you mentioned the movie The Program the other day. I mean, when people watch that movie, they see practice. That's what people think about. When they <laughs> go to training practice. camp, they yeah. think, oh, it's going to be like that movie where they just Oklahoma drill the whole time. Yeah. I don't know what's happening, but I'm saying it got physical enough for Anthony Brown out three weeks. Maybe they're just trying to hold digs. I don't know. Yep. All right. Um, let's move on. Give me a quick update, too, on, on what we know about Demarcus Lawrence and Tyron Smith. What have we heard there? Demarcus is back. Uh, I believe his his wife went into labor yesterday. I assume there were no complications, so congrats to them. But he's back. Um, Mike McCarthy said he was going to start with the rehab team and try to work his way in. So uh, again, I mean, you know, keep an eye on it. But I, I feel optimistic about that too. Tyron, not so much. I think he's with the rehab team today. So that's two days in a row where I don't think he's going to be involved in the, you know, the football portions of practice. So I, I lean toward thinking this is another week where they don't have Tyron Smith. And, and you know, I, I, when I talked to Steven yesterday, and that interview is going to go up on our site today, I asked about Lyle Collins. He's eligible to come back next, next week. Right. His answer was, 
you know, we're, we're going to see how it goes. You know, it's a long season. You know, we're not trying to rush anyone back. So I got hmm. the sense that maybe, maybe not well, next week. Yeah, I didn't that's get it. cool. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have a feeling that they may be a package deal. Tyron and Lyell, they may just be back about the same time. Not on purpose, but just that might be the way this thing like goes. Later this year? No, later this uh, next month. Next month which sometime. Is, which is, you know. Next earlier. month. Well, <laughs> but I mean, when I just did that read, and that's next month, the, the Browns, you know, yeah, the right. game is October 4th. So I was going to say, it's easy to feel like you don't have to rush them back when you're going against a no-name front like Seattle, but I made that joke yesterday. Like, let's see how urgent they feel about these injuries when Miles Garrett's on the tape next week. Yeah. It's a whole different prospect when you're having to guard against Tim versus some of the guys that they're going to run out this week. All right, let's, um, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit more about this Dallas offense versus Seattle defense. Um, and I asked Bucky this question. I want to ask you guys this question. You look at, again, he threw out some of the numbers of how bad their pass defense is uh, and how good their rush defense is. And you look at that and you say, Cowboys have to be salivating. Dak has to be salivating. The receivers have to be salivating at the opportunity to be able to carve this defense up. But... That all being said, you also want to keep the ball out of Russell Wilson's hand. So I don't know that you want to necessarily be bombing and just, you know, three and out and because that's the risk. If you're going up tempo and you're moving quick, your defense is now back out on the field. So which way? I'm going to go around the table. Which way would you opt? Would you opt for, hey, we're going to just really try to pound Zeke and try to control the clock and try to control the game? Or do you say, hey, our best option for every single game we're going to play is to score a bunch of points. So if we get in a track meet, guess what? We think we yeah. we think it favors us to be in a track meet. Nick, let's start with you. Place them up. Let's run. And you have to. Because if Seattle's going to play that way and put Jamal Adams in the box, of course their secondary sucks because of it. Because the, one of their best safeties is going up in the box. I mean, like he's leaving those people out to, out to dry because that's what they have to do. I'm not saying it's a selfish play. I'm saying Seattle's thinking we've got to help and put him up closer into the line of scrimmage. But by doing that, it's leaving those corners and, say, and that other safety exposed. So I think you got to take that advantage right there. I think you got to you know throw the ball and, and score. I'm, you got you got to put up some points and you know just hold on tight for for the end because you, you have to. You have really no other way. Amber. I think that when you're facing an opponent, you have to try to attack your opponent by their weakest point. And with the Cowboys having three great wide receivers and then a quarterback that has shown that he's capable of making those throws and connecting with their uh, his receivers, I think that, that that's a – I mean, I love Zeke, and I think they always need to try to run the ball as much as they can. But in this scenario, I think that they have to take advantage of that weak point for the Seattle defense and, and really put to use their three great receivers in Dak's arm. Dave. Ask me. Yeah. Both barrels. <laughs> Let's go. Both, like, you, both barrels all the time every week. It doesn't matter. You don't invest these resources into the passing game if you're not going to use them. 450 yards last week. I know you know they were climbing out of a, of a hole, but you have that capability. You don't shelve it. Passing is how you win in today's NFL. And then if you if you're fortunate enough to build a second a lead, especially in the second half, then you let Zeke go to work. When everybody's tired from chasing the receivers all day, then you let Zeke do his thing. Uh, I think that's that's the formula for success. The Cowboys really haven't had the opportunity to do it yet. 
They fell, they fell behind early to the Rams. They fell way, way behind to the Falcons. So hopefully they can utilize that strategy a little better this week uh, because this defense seems susceptible. But that's, that's what I want to see him do every week. You know, that was perfect setup, Dave, because I have a little nugget I'm going to drop on you guys. I was doing some research last night, and I saw this. And I don't know if you guys may not be as surprised by it, but I was shocked at this number. Right now through two games, Zeke is third in the NFL in rush attempts. Now, that's two games where the Cowboys have fallen behind. One of them, they fell massively behind. And you would think in those games, the running back and the running game completely goes out of the window. But he's right now, he has 44 rush attempts. He is third in the NFL um, in rush attempts and also third in the the league right now in rush yards at 185. How surprised are you that the Cowboys, despite the fact that they've fallen behind in these games, have still been able to keep their running game going and actually to add a clip that's higher than the vast majority of the league? Yeah. Well, the thing about it is uh, I don't know who's who's first and second on that list. I would imagine maybe Chubb or or maybe Henry. But the thing is, is uh, who, who are the top backs in the league? McCaffrey, hurt. Barkley, hurt. Le'Veon Bell, hurt. I mean, a lot of these guys that are getting – they usually get a lot of these carries or a lot of these touches are, yeah, are, bang, are banged up. Well, he's not one of the best, but he's, <laughs> he ain't one of the best he's, up, he's up there. <laughs> he's but, making a lot of money, I mean, I, I mean, Dalvin Cook's probably got some yeah. too. But, I mean, I – it's, it, I guess it is surprising, but but you know they they still ran the ball with Zeke a little bit there to try to get back at you know into the game. They they got it close enough where they didn't have to completely abandon it. Mm-hmm. So that that was that was important. Scoring to make it twenty to seven, twenty nine to ten, all that kind of stuff that that made it close enough where you didn't have to just throw it out the window. Here's a better stat for you, Derek. I'm looking at it right now. It's it's Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, and then Zeke. Uh, Zeke is the only one in the top four carry, you know, the top four leaders in carries who's averaging more than four yards a carry, mm-hmm. which tells me they're they're using him a little bit more efficiently than the other guys. But that was going to be my answer. It's not super surprising because the Cowboys are probably one of like six teams in the entire league that has a real deal featured back where there's no real split. And, yeah, I mean, Saquon and McCaffrey are two of those, and they're hurt. So mm-hmm. now you're talking there might only be four teams that have a real deal feature back. So The ones you mentioned, basically, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's not super surprising. Um, I, I would like to see them be a little less predictable. I think, I mean, they've been fine, but, again, I want to throw the ball. Uh, but having said that, Zeke has been explosive and efficient enough uh, that it, uh, it, I can't complain too much. Like I remember, it was the Cowboys' first play of the fourth quarter against the Falcons. They handed off to Zeke on first and ten, and I was so mad at the play call. And then Zeke carried three people, eight extra yards for eleven yards. Uh, so if you're doing that, it's fine by me. Absolutely. What do you think, Amber? Uh, I mean, it's not really surprising i feel like we we've talked about this in previous years where maybe we don't think that zeke is getting the ball enough and then you just know that those little yards end up adding up and he still makes it up there in the top of the least list of running backs and i feel like week one um honestly i don't remember how much he got as far as yards but it seemed like he was the only one carrying the offense at least on week one so it's not surprising to me to see where he stands right now. 
All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, I want to ask you guys a little bit about, uh, I know that uh, Bucky talked about Jamal Adams and how they're using him to blitz. I want to talk to you guys about how concerned you are, particularly looking at how Deion Jones was able to blitz last week and create some problems for the Cowboys early in the game and how you think that translates to this next game uh, against the Seahawks. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Back to the break. The next time you go to AT&T Stadium, make sure you know before you go. You need to wear a mask, keep distance, be prepared for cashless transactions. Please be aware of all safe stadium policies prior to arriving at AT&T Stadium. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash safe stadium for details. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And uh, let's get uh, some more conversation going on this Cowboys offense versus Seattle defense. Last week, uh, it was noticeable early in the game how Deion Jones was being utilized to blitz uh, the Cowboys. And on one of those, created a a big play. Talk to me about Jamal Adams and knowing that that's how they're they're wanting to use Jamal Adams. They're using him in the in the in the in their pass rush. Are you at all concerned about situations where you got guys blitzing that aren't necessarily your typical guys? It's not your front four. It's not your linebackers. You got a safety blitzing, and in situations like this again with an offensive line, that's why you want to keep continuity. Is because. All these things, when you have guys kind of showing up to blitz, it's all about knowing who's going to get who. Um, and and now you've got this new kind of player that moves all around the field and is blitzing from different points. How concerned are you guys with an offensive line that's had little, relatively little time together? Let's start first with you, Dave. Super duper concerned uh, because like, that's that's the problem. Is like you know, especially against this pass rush. 
I, I think it's a favorable matchup. Or, you know, if there's ever a week to have two backup tackles, it's probably against an opponent like this in terms of the one-on-ones. But that's what good defenses do is they don't just let you go one-on-one against the defensive end. Seattle, or I'm excuse me, Atlanta overloaded the, the left side of their line. Terrence Steele and didn't have any idea what was going on in those first couple series. Deion Jones had two sacks before anybody, or two pressures at least, before anybody could blink. Uh, now you talk about a guy like Jamal Adams who can do it at a high level off the edge, up the A-gap, like pretty much wherever they want him to. And I think that's going to be a, a heck of a problem for two guys who have started, what, this is Steele's third game, and it'll be, in, I think, Knight's third start as well. Yeah, so communication is going to have to be key there because I can just imagine them, you know, messing up who's got what and passing guys off to each other. And I would imagine Adam's ability will, will create a sack or two or at least some pressures for sure. Amber. This is going to sound simple, and it, it looks perfect in my head. When I close <laughs> my eye and I envision this game, I see the offensive line pushing everyone up to the front, Dak taking several steps back, getting out of the pocket, and going back as much as he can, and then finding a wide receiver open and connecting with them. That, that sounds amazing, but I know <laughs> that's not how the NFL works and how – uh, as simple as that, but that's the ideal. So with that being said, I'm just hoping that Kellen Moore is able to to utilize Dak's feet and legs a lot more in this game to get out and, and try to run away. And I know Dak got hit several times last week, and it did not look pretty at all. But at the same time, I think you really need to create a combination of that given the the guys that you're playing against with and then the O-line that you currently have. Yeah, I mean, it sounds simple, you know, but you got to just fill the void. I mean, where he's coming from. I mean, that's where I think Atlanta tried to do that with linebacker blitzes, and Dalton Schultz ended up hurting them down the down the line. You know, they, as Bucky had pointed out a couple times this week, that they, they slow – I mean, they, they – uh, a rush to the tempo, which slowed down the Falcons' rush, but also I thought you know getting the tight end involved uh, a little bit more and uh, putting Schultz out there that that made Atlanta have to account for him. So it's going to be it's just going to be a chess match. I mean, yeah, Jamal Adams is going to do some things they haven't seen before, but I mean you have to you have to pay people you know when they blitz. I mean, Bill, Bill Parcells used to say it all the time. A good quarterback wants them to blitz. You, you, you beg them to blitz because that's going to free up the middle. And as long as your guys can get it blocked for a second, you got receivers who can win one-on-one, you should be fine. So I think that this could actually help the Cowboys. Yeah, I think the, I think the tackles are one thing, but I think this is the kind of game where we're going to find out the delta between Travis Frederick and Joe Looney. Because when you have a team like this defensively that is predicated on showing you so many different looks and they have a player who jumps around from all these different spots and somebody's going to have to make sure that everybody's on the same page, especially having some inexperienced guys on the outside, make sure everybody's on the same page with who's going to do what, right? And, And this is where we've always heard Travis Frederick was great. He had the ability to be able to diagnose what was going on and be able to make the right kind of line calls and adjustments, and that helped this team, this offensive line, be as as, as efficient as possible. I'm I'm I want to see in this kind of situation. How many times do we see the Cowboys in, uh, end up in a in a situation where they're not really prepared for something? Something comes at them, they don't adjust well, and it ends up being a disastrous moment for them. So I think this is this is a critical game 
particularly for Joe Looney, in my opinion, just as much as the tackles because we're going to see how well he can manage that part of uh, doing his job as the center of this offensive line. All right, Amber, give us some uh, questions here that you've uh, gotten from fans. I think we got time for a couple before, he, before, before we end the show. Okay. Um, the most common question that I've been seeing a lot lately is why are not, aren't the Cowboys bringing some guys in and signing them on defense, obviously, especially, especially in the secondary? We've talked about Earl Thomas a whole lot, but other than that, realistically, what guys are they? Are they really out there that the Cowboys could actually use? thought it was kind of ironic that... Uh... Not only is Snacks Harrison about to be going on visits, but uh, he's visiting the Seahawks. Obviously, even if they sign him, he's not going to play in this game. But uh, a guy that a lot of Cowboys fans have clamored for over the last few months is it might be signing with a the team they're going to play. Um, I would definitely be interested in doing that. I think Snacks even lives here in DFW. Um, but between Dontari Poe and Antoine Woods, it just doesn't seem like there's a ton of interest there, which is it's a bummer for me, but... Uh, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, I think the other thing to consider here is just think about the numbers. Uh, before, teams could have, what, seven guys on their practice squad? Mm-hmm. And this year they can have 16. 16. So that's nine additional players, all 32 teams, that normally would be out in, in as free agents that you could go and kind of pick, you know, who you might want to bring in if there's an injury or whatever, that are now – on other teams. Now, you can maybe go get a guy off somebody's practice squad, but my point is, like, the number of players that are available to you is much less than the number of players that sure. would normally be available to you. And that's why I think right now there are slim pickings going and looking on the free agency market, just guys that are not on a team at all. Like, the kind of guys you're going to find out there probably aren't the kind of guys that, that are going to come in and immediately be able to help you and help you in a real way. Like, they're guys that have some serious concerns, whether they're injuries, whether they're really old and just kind of their bodies are, are kind of crap. I think that's the thing with Delaney Walker. Like, a guy with that kind of production still being out there, there's probably something to the fact that his yeah. body's just not able to play football a, at the capable, at the level that you need him. That's a good point. I mean, 30... You know, that's about 300 players more on practice squads, not to mention it's easier to get a guy on injured reserve, not to mention you got some guys that have opted out before the year. So you're probably looking at over 400 players that typically are out there that mm-hmm. aren't. So it, it, it does kind of dwindle it down a little bit. All right. I think we can all agree that this game is going to be a battle between offenses so <laughs> this person is asking between the two offenses and, and looking at what Bucky said on the secondary what offense are you expecting to actually go out and score more points or be more productive so you're just asking us to pick the winner pick here the on game. a Thursday <laughs> I guess so <laughs> I mean I I don't want to I don't want to give too much of it away, but I guess I probably will anyway. But I mean, I, I mean the Cowboys have the superior talent on offense. Even with, even with Tyron and Lyle out, I think they're they still have more talent on their line. They have a deeper receiver core. Even though the the uh, the Seahawks have good receivers, obviously. This, I think I give the Seahawks the edge at tight end, obviously. But I think the Cowboys have the edge everywhere else, except quarterback Mm -hmm. which is the most important position in the sport i obviously think the world of dak 
Uh, I thought I thought I was going to combust with pride when Bucky called him one of the five best quarterbacks in the league yesterday. I agree with that. He said but bumping is, up into is, the top five. He stop, said Nick. bumping. He didn't he, say it. We're, we're right, talking semantics I'll, here. He said he's getting there. All I'll right, just say okay. it he's one of the top. He's one of the top five quarterbacks Frisco. in the NFL Thanks, today. Dave. He I says think. he's Frisco. He's not Dallas. <laughs> he's in Frisco. He's getting there. He's <laughs> one of the. He's one of the five best quarterbacks <laughs> in the league. The problem is that Russ is arguably the best. Uh, yeah. It's him and Mahomes, in my opinion. So that is going to be very tough for the Cowboys to overcome. Well, I will say this, Dave. I I actually think this is one of those games. And McCarthy actually mentioned it this morning. Somebody asked him about it. I think this is one of those. You know, those games, it kind of helps you figure out where you are. And I think just like it's going to be like that for the Cowboys, they're going to figure out where they are based upon how they play this team. I think it's the same thing with Dak. Because I do think this is going to be an offensive game. And I think both teams are going to have opportunities. And ultimately, it's going to come down who who actually blinks first yeah. offensively. And I think this will be a good, grade, a good grade, a grading opportunity for Dak. If Dak can go into this game and match Russell Wilson point for point, and ultimately end up putting his team in a, in a chance to win, I think you really do start now talk, saying, hey, he's every bit as much in that top five in the NFL as any other quarterback you'll make an argument for because he's going to have to outduel this guy in order for the Cowboys to win, in my opinion. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and that's what happened when the, in the Falcons game with those those two tackles that were out, and you know he kept kind of you know carrying them back into the game. I mean, he was the, he was the best one on the field. So yeah, I mean, th- this is a good benchmark game for him uh, to 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 get there, and you know it doesn't matter be, as far as the negotiations aren't going to happen as far as contract goes and all that uh, until the end of the year, but. You know, and ultimately, how they finish is going to be the biggest key for him. Yeah. But but games like this will be member, you know, memorable if if it's a if it's one of those dual shootout type games. I mean, if Tony Romo beats Peyton Manning, if, you know, that changes his whole career. He got close. He didn't do it though. He was dueling, but he didn't beat him. Mm-hmm. And I think people still re- kind of remember that. This is a this is a, a potential legacy builder for sure. Because and I know how stupid this sounds, but. If they handed out the MVP after two games, it would be Russ. Yeah. Again, I know that that's absurd, but he is playing the best football in the league through two weeks. So if Dak beats him in a national, you know, it's going to be the, the Fox afternoon game of the, of the week, whatever they call it. It'll be one of the only games on TV in that window. The whole country is going to see it. If he outduels Russ, it's going to do a lot for his reputation. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we appreciate you. We're back tomorrow at 1130. Uh, we'll be uh, giving you our predictions on what's going to happen this Sunday. Cowboys versus Seahawks. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!